Hey there, stranger. Welcome to Tad Strange, a Gravity Falls podcast. We'll be exploring the captivating and mysterious world of Gravity Falls, Oregon, and we are so excited to have you along for the ride. Today here, I'm joined by the coolest Twitch streamer around, Trevor, a.k.a. Oxfail Mage. Hi, friends. And by the guy with a cabinet, Matthew. Aloha, muchachos. <laughs> so today, we're going to be looking at Season 1, Episode 4 of Gravity Falls, The Hand That Rocks the Mabel. Really interesting episode. I feel like I've said that as an intro like really interesting episode a whole bunch but almost like four times almost like four times with this one though it's an interesting episode (laughs) um and you guys have expressed a whole lot of uh interesting things that you found in it and, and parts that you really like and you feel like it's super duper good oh yeah so jumping right into that do you did you like this episode heck to the yes Okay. But yeah. before we get to this episode and these mysteries, I'd like us to solve the mystery of why I was not just introduced as my big brother and all around great guy. Can can we like? Yeah. No, I, I mixed it up for funsies. Yeah. I've, I've been meaning to plan to do different ones each episode, but then I always forget. Okay. So so this time I just did it on the fly. Joseph also sees me as cabinet. a very one dimensional person. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, why he's a, why he's were a, you making a cabinet today? He's oh oh well um so it's at my friend's house. They don't have their microwave up like above the oven. Mm-hmm. They just have it on a counter, and it just kind of takes up space. So they ordered a, a shelf to put up above the oven to put mm, the microwave. Fascinating. On. It didn't work out. It's super fascinating, but it was a good experience <laughs> overall. So nice. That's so what of I good am. Experiences. It sounded like. You thought that this episode was a good experience. Yes, most definitely. I, I don't like how you said well, that. <laughs> it sounds like you like this episode, Matt. No, he was like, yay! <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was listen, his response. Joe, so Joe has this thing where sometimes it's it's hard for people to tell him no. Get it? I referred to the episode. No, I, I absolutely love uh, this episode. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's better than episode three. I've been watching way three. too much Law and Order. Really? Okay. <laughs> Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with a straight-up A-plus rating on this sucker. Wow, okay. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Trevor, you didn't sound as yeah, gay. Yeah, I'm like B-. minus. Okay. Yeah. Um, I Well, the thing is, we rated... I, I need help remembering what I rated uh, the last episode. I think I said... I said A, but I wanted it to be A plus. What did I rate Legend of the Goblin Walker? Did I say like D minus or did you I said like, like C minus? Yeah, you like I C said like minus. C minus. Okay, okay. So I I stand by that, and I still think that this episode I think is B a B for me. It's a good example of a a solid Gravity Falls episode. It doesn't do anything super special. It has a bit more of the ominousness than the previous episode. Yeah. Um. But it, I wasn't uh, rolling on the floor laughing <laughs> the entire episode like I was with Headhunters, mm-hmm. um, which is something I forgot to mention last episode. But they were just back to back to back to back, quip after quip after pun after pun. And I was just roaring with laughter. <laughs> this one, it felt like half the time it hit, half the time it missed. That was just my personal take on okay. it. Okay. 
Um, but you, you're sounding like 92% of the time it was fantastic. Chabra, I think that the uh, ominousness and seriousness that this episode introduces mm. more than the last one really mm-hmm. made up for maybe the lack of constant quips. Um, that mm. that was, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is true that the, um, you know, the, the gags and the stuff weren't just kind of back to back like they were. But for me, the kind of buildup of tension and um, this was probably the first time I rewatched this episode. So mm. sort of knowing where it's going, but forgetting some of it really nice. gave me a lot of value to the episode. Nice. Cool. That's a great perspective to have. So in case you haven't rewatched the episode recently, um, the episode starts off with Mabel Dipper and Seuss attending a camp meeting held by Gravity Falls' own Lil Gideon, the adorable psychic. Mm-hmm. Dipper, unlike everyone else at the meeting, isn't quite convinced that Gideon is anything more than a fraud, though. The day after this meeting, Gideon shows up at the mystery shack and asks Mabel if she would like to accompany him to his dressing room for a makeover. Dipper doesn't trust him, but Mabel says, just give him a chance. She has a great time and thinks that the makeovers are nothing more than fun time with her new friend. But Gideon sees this as the beginning of a romantic relationship. For the next several days, Gideon keeps asking Mabel on dates and Mabel keeps saying yes out of fear of hurting the cute little guy. Mabel, not knowing what to do, seeks out help from her brother. Dipper decides that he's going to help Mabel break it off with Gideon so she doesn't have to. But during the confrontation between Gideon and Dipper... Gideon warns Dipper to stay out of the secrets of Gravity Falls and then uses his mystic amulet slash bolo to attack Mm -hmm. Dipper. Mabel, with some help from a very one-sided conversation with Wendy, decides that she needs to do the dirty deed herself and finally break it off with Gideon. She arrives just in time to witness the battle break out between Dipper and Gideon, and she uses her girl-like charm to get close to Gideon. Then she grabs the amulet, uses its powers to stop Gideon from hurting Dipper, and then breaks the amulet and Gideon's little old heart. Aww. Gideon backs off slowly into the dark forest as he declares, This isn't the last you'll see of Lil Old Me. The episode ends with an ominous scene of Gideon playing with his Gravity Falls action adventure set, trademarked by Trevor, soon to be released by Hasbro, mocking Dipper and Stan and swearing vengeance. He then reaches over on his desk, closes a book that he's been reading, revealing that he is, in fact, in possession of a second journal. Dun, dun, dun! So with this episode, I kind of want to take a peek at three different parts of it. First of all, the good, what parts we enjoyed, the nitpicky, which is the parts that we didn't like, and then the funny, which is the, the stuff that made us laugh because that this is a highly comedic show. Mm-hmm. So I think if ever there's nothing in that category, it's a failed episode, in my opinion. So starting off, though, with the good. Um Someone in our chat room note thingy typed in all caps, it's finally actually more Gravity Falls. Who did that? Hmm. I wonder who would do that. Maybe the person who gave it an A+. It was definitely me. Um, Okay. So I think for me, this has more of Gravity Falls than the last one. Um, the, the, The kind of particulars for me were the self reference. And like the nearing the fourth wall um, jokes, as well as one-off gags that actually come back and aren't one-offs, but you completely don't expect them. Um, So if I'm going to throw examples, approaching the fourth Mm -hmm. wall would be um, when Dipper says, I don't trust anyone whose hair is bigger than their head. Like Mm -hmm. the 
the animators made his hair bigger than his head. That that's that's yep, that's fair. That's so that's uh, close to the fourth wall. It's not quite another. There. I think basically fourth wall break is in Gideon's song. He turns his back to the audience and gives us a wink. Yeah, there is no one standing behind oh, him. Yep. Oh, he winks at us. Oh, I didn't catch that. That was something I noticed in just my my final. That's um, not a watching fourth of this wall break. This. He's just a psychic. Gosh. Oh, okay. Oh, no. He knows that we exist. Yeah. Well, no, but that is a four. That's the definition of a. Anyways. Yeah. No, no, I'm yeah, getting right. nitpicky, totally but this is supposed to be the good area. Okay. Um. So, what do you mean by the one-off gags that aren't actually one-offs? Okay. So this. this Obviously, I, he's referring. Really he's referring to Tiger Fist. Super. No, no, not Tiger Fist, because that was that was a one-off <laughs> no, gag. I don't think he reappeared. Tiger oh, Fist doesn't does. reappear. Oh no. In my heart. Um. Okay. He's in every single episode. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, when. Before Gideon knocks on the door the first time to ask Mabel to spend time with him, she is putting these sticky um, craft mm. gems that they're they're tiny. They're like a quarter inch diameter, but she puts them all bedazzle. over her face and is and bedazzles mm. herself. And I've successfully bedazzled my face. Yes, and so there's there's Dipper says something and then Mabel responds and it's like a one off. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and then so the, um, the door. It's also one of the greatest jokes in the entire show. Thank you. Okay, maybe, but <laughs> I'm unappreciated so, in my time. The, yes, that, <laughs> one that one's the greatest great. jokes. In the um, entire show. So the doorbell rings. She wipes the the stuff off her face. Um, mm-hmm. Goes to the door. Answers to Gideon. In the conversation, uh, Gideon's like you seem like someone who would appreciate the sparkly things in life. And she's like, yeah, and starts laughing. And then she coughs and coughs <laughs> the sparkles all over his yeah. collar. Yeah. So yep. like that comes back. And then the very end, the credits mm. scene, mm. they've stuck all the craft gems onto Seuss mm. and turn him into a disco ball. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that so scene. You, you seem obsessed with the bedazzler. Did you ever use it as a kid? Oh, gosh. No. Is there some secret history? No, I totally would do that because, I, I, I mean, they're, yeah, yeah. Like, I've seen them before and you don't know her. She doesn't go to the school. <laughs> um, What? Are you sure? <laughs> what just happened? I don't know what's going on. Matt, Misdirection. I'm scared. Anyways. Oh boy. I'm not I'm not comfortable right now. <laughs> mm. Oh, let me tell you how I wasn't comfortable. Wait, are we there yet? Can can I go there? Can I go to Gideon? Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, holy holy yeah. cow, man. Trevor, you want to start on Gideon and then I'll I'll come in with say, a baseball like, bat. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him as a character. I hate him as mm. a as a villain. I just hate him. I think he's the most annoying thing in the universe. I think his voice is mm. annoying. His hair is <laughs> annoying. His face is annoying. Mm. I just, I just do not like him. The wow. only, okay. the only joke I like that's his is when he turns to his dad, and just screams, "I can buy and sell can you, buy old and sell man. you, old man." <laughs> that's just like fair enough. Fair. <laughs> yeah, but oh everything else is just like, okay, you're an annoying little kid, and I don't like you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I honestly picked up a lot more on the little kiddishness in in this one, or and then watching it through this time than I did previously. Maybe it's because I was younger then, um, but I didn't really see him as as much of a child as I did in this episode. 
Um, and he is 100% acting like a child. Yeah. Yep. I could almost swear the first time I watched this, he acted a lot more mature, but he doesn't. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I, I kind of felt like he did, but. Maybe it's just like the way I was watching it. I don't know. Mm. Could be. But I hate him. He makes me uncomfortable. I don't like him. Mm. Mm. Okay, so I, I put together um, a list of the lines he has oh that well, make me well. super uncomfortable. So at the beginning, he's like, we can spend some time maybe in my dressing room. Wait, mm. what? Yeah, who says And then that? when he gets yeah. there, he's like, do you see something you like? Because I certainly see something I like. And like, what? Ew. And then he's he like, talking about all the referring to Stan. How could lemon we'll, so we'll sour? We'll how could lemon so sour be related to a peach so sweet? And then he's like, when he's looking over Gravity Falls and is like, I'm the king. He says, I guess that makes you my queen. And then she's he's trying to mm. touch her face on top of the factory. And then he sniffs mm. her hair. My hair. And he <laughs> pressures her into a second date. He's a yeah. freaking little Harvey yeah. Weinstein. A what? I'm Harvey Wong. Wong Weinstein. 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 Bears. No, you, you said it. No, right. man. Weinstein. Right yeah, the, the, the sure? guy who. Oh my gosh. Oh. So he is incredibly creepy. Yeah. Um. He's incredibly manipulative. Mm. Is he a good villain? I would like to get into this discussion now, and I have a mm. few things. Um. Because real quick, um, there's a fantastic YouTube channel called Hello Future Me that does amazing video essays. One of theirs is on writing. Uh, it's a series called On Writing. And there's one in particular on hero-villain relationships. And uh, it's fantastic. And it's interesting. We have kind of a hero-villain relationship. Ooh. That's what this entire thing is about. Um, but before I jump into the nerdiness of writing, is he a good villain? I don't know. Like, Man. I, your villains have to have like some kind of motivation, obviously, and that mm-hmm. motivation is either for self or for something greater than self. Mm-hmm. And his is for self, and I hate the selfish villain. I hate the complaining, mm. whiny villain. I hate the guy mm. who wants revenge because he got hurt, or the guy who's angry because mm-hmm. mama didn't love him. I, I hate that kind of villain. Mm. Um, mm. and that's why I think Gideon. Out of all of the things that could be villains in Gravity Falls, I don't want Gideon to be a villain. I want Gideon to be hmm. a one-off who leaves. Hmm. That's that's how I see him. I, I just don't like him. And, hmm. I mean, I don't think he's that kind of a villain. I just think he's a tantrum, tantrum, uh, temper tantrum in a ball of anger. Hmm. So. Cool. Any ideas, Matt? Um. Yeah, man, I definitely agree. He's not really set up as anything but a selfish villain who does mm. things because he didn't get his way and he wants to get his mm. way through force. Mm. That's, that's, I mean, that that's pretty much describes his actions the whole episode. Hmm. Okay. I would like to now prove to you as much as I can with this one episode. And there are more episodes. It takes us a while to get back to Gideon. Um, but when we do, I think he's a much more developed character. But with just what we have right here, I'm going to attempt to change your mind a little bit. So it seems like right now you're rating Lil Gideon at a C-. Does that make sense? Like the that character itself? Yeah. Yeah, and as a villain. Yeah, okay. definitely. Maybe, maybe even worse. So I'm going to try to get it up to B-, where it's decent, maybe a little bit less than decent. That's what I'm aiming for. I have very low expectations. So four things um, that this video essay discussed about uh, hero-villain relationships. First of all, 
you have to be a a necessary opponent, meaning you desire the same thing as uh, or one way to do it is to have the same desire of uh, wanting something. So, for example, you have Batman and the Joker. They're both competing for dominance of Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because they both want dominance and only one person can have it there's automatically going to be uh, conflict. Second thing, they're able to harm the hero in a unique way. So for um, the Joker, it's kind of the way that he doesn't fight his battles the same way that Batman does. Um, And so that's really tough. Or being able to hurt them in a specific way. There's a Doctor Who episode where um, the villain is a like a Time Lord. And the way that he hurts Doctor Who is by refusing to regenerate because time lords can regenerate oh, yeah, but this that. villain decides I'm not going to regenerate because that is the way that I can beat you and he's like he says like I I won and then dies and so no. he's able to hurt the hero in a specific way um third you want the rivalry to be ideological because that can lead to character development so when you have um the example that they gave, and I don't know a ton about it, is the show Arrow, where you have hmm. masked vigilante um, using vigilante justice to achieve blah, blah, blah. And then a, a hero that's – or a villain that's very similar um, uses the same uh, like way they, – they fight on the same battlefield, but they have very different ideology, uh-huh. and they're just slightly different. Um, so another good example of this is Harry Potter versus Voldemort. Both of them were muggles who uh, saw Hogwarts as more uh, as like a home. Um, and, but then they went down very different paths. So by by having their them have different ideologies and just be slightly different, you can have more character development. And the last one is as a character foil. So that's having direct contrast in order to highlight the differences or to force the uh, protagonist to change. So this is your uh, Sherlock and Watson where Sherlock oh, in the show uh. Sherlock where Sherlock is. Uh, no, this isn't hero villain anymore. This is this is just nonetheless. Character, character. You have varied, yeah, just characters in general, creating a character web. And so, you have Watson, who's very like controlled, and uh, Sherlock, who's very impulsive, and back and forth, back and forth. And so they each highlight each other's characters. So going through this necessary point, do they want the same thing? Um, we haven't seen as much of this right now. It's kind of a petty um, love feud not even a love triangle it's just a line where one of the points doesn't want to be a part of the line um so but if i can tease a little bit we will this right here is part of a much well we do see it at the end both of them have one journal so there's going to be a conflict there is going to be a conflict because both of them want the information um now I'm trying to do this without spoiling um, because there is so much that makes him a better villain later on. But what you can see in this episode is that uh, there's two ways to look at it. Either Mabel and Gideon got into a relationship and um, Bud and Stan are looking to profit off of it. But if you see when Gideon comes back in after being broken up with and talks to um, but he yep. basically commands him like it didn't work out. No, no deal. We're not doing anything. So it seems like he had a bigger plan. 
Um, but the breakup with Mabel kind of foiled it. Now him being super weird at the end kind of kind of counters that just a tiny bit. But um, now able to harm the hero in a unique way. So we've seen in the past where Mabel has been let down by um, boyfriends who are not uh, actual either, humans. <laughs> yeah, not actual humans or just like sh- not interested in her yeah. at all. Um, this is kind of the first one where we see a guy who's incredibly interested in her, but she's not interested back. And so that's a unique conundrum. Yeah. I would say. Um, so the ideological rivalry that exists between the two, it's kind of just cut and dry good and evil. Um, being willing to go to any means to get something done versus Uh having like limits so that's that's Gideon versus Dipper there now as a character foil this is where Gideon as a villain I think just in this episode has one of his biggest strengths because Gideon is the character foil of the entire Pines family he is Hmm. cute and lovable like Mabel he is a a con man like Stan to the nth degree um, and he is incredibly interested in the supernatural um, and has a great adept, oh. uh, he's adept at doing that. He is all of their abilities combined into a single individual, but who has absolutely no morals whatsoever. It's all wow. of them as a childish, selfish, just want to get your own way, temper tantrumy baby. Wow. It's the entire stands, uh, Pines family as a child. So the way so, that um, Stan can put his cons above the children, for example, the flashback where they are counterfeiting money, the way <laughs> that Dipper mm-hmm. can prioritize the mysteries of Gravity Falls over his family, the mm-hmm. way that Mabel can prioritize her own happiness and having fun over Mm -hmm. serious things that Dipper is trying to deal with Mm -hmm. are all combined into one evil Gideon, one little Gideon. So what you're saying is Gideon is the Pines family's Ultron. Mm, Not from the movie though. That didn't. Yeah. yeah. Movie Ultron sucked. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I only know Marvel animated on, like, Cartoon Network Mm. Ultron. Wrong Ultron. (laughs) (laughs) That is the wrong Ultron. Uh, Explain. What what do you mean by that? Because I only know... Ultron was... They have no strings on me! (laughs) Yeah, Ultron was meant to become the greatest protector. Someone who can take out anyone no matter what happened. Mm. Even if the Avengers turned, he can take them down. And then when Mm -hmm. he became sentient and, like, became his own being... He was able to foil everybody because he knew exactly who they were and he could beat them at their mm. own games. He mm. was the ultimate creation. Uh, he's the Avengers Khan from Star Trek because mm. Khan is the same thing. Khan is Kirk and Spock put into one character mm. and he's the best yeah. of both of them with no weakness. Mm-hmm. So essentially Gideon is the ultimate enemy because he has the powers of all of them without a known weakness. Well, I guess mm-hmm. his known weakness would be being a child. Yeah. 
See, I could I could like that a lot more than how he was portrayed in this episode. I would mm-hmm. say I do like him at the end of the episode, though, where he's the psychopathic mm-hmm. child playing with his Gravity Falls action adventure set soon to be out by Hasbro. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you see just like this, this staunch anger. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. now I have a yeah. reason to be interested in him because this mm-hmm. whole love story with Mabel thing, I'm just like, meh. That's fair. So that's fair. As um, my first impression with him. I don't like him as a character. I might like him mm. later. Okay, cool. I think I'd agree. Um, did I convince you just a little bit that he's a decent character? Yeah, I like the whole foil okay. thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I can yeah. see that a lot more now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the Pines still have a secret weapon. His name is Seuss. Seuss, yes. Oh, that's yeah. right. Wait, oh. no. They have a Seuss, too, and his name is Deuce. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Yes. Um, this is like a bizarro version Oops. of the Mystery yes. Shack. They even have their own Seuss. He yeah, just Deuce glares though. at them. That's fantastic. Is that, is that the angriest we joke. see Seuss get ever? I think that's the angriest like we see Seuss. What is he get eating, ever? by the way? It looks like an empanada. He, no, he's eating. Um, oh, um, are they empanadas? I don't know. It looks they're, like they're an little, empanada, um, but it looks like it's full of purple. Worms. It's not an empanada. No, no, no. no. It's <laughs> it's this um it's this delicious. What would they call it? They served it at my cafeteria in high school. Um, like, just like everyone's beef patties. They're, oh, they're like a Jamaican patties. beef patty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. They're Jamaican beef. He's eating a Jamaican beef patty. So good. Nice. That's hundred. I I think maybe Alex Hirsch tweeted us. Um, if that's not what. <laughs> no, it's a it's a empanada full of purple worms. Wrong. There you go. That's what it is. Oh boy. Um. So yeah, we'll jump into this, and then we'll jump into that. Jump, 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 jump. What is your favorite character in this episode? I don't know, dude. Mabel. I think okay. so. If I had to say, like, I okay. feel like Dipper's kind of just there this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I I kind of liken this episode to Toy Trap. Because it's about a relationship with Mabel and a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Tor's Trap, we see the whole thing from Dipper's perspective. And in this yep. episode, we see everything from Mabel's perspective. Ooh. Which I mm. think is cool. Because now Dipper's taking the side character and Mabel's taking the front character. Yeah. Um, I, I, think I think that's a good... All my favorite jokes in this one come from Mabel. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think Mabel's probably my favorite character in this one. Okay. Um, Matt, same reason? Hmm. Same reason in that she becomes the main character, which I think is kind of the first time we were seeing that out of the first four episodes, um, because the other one, Dipper, is Mm -hmm. more highlighted. But Mm -hmm. I like this because, ooh, get ready for a sad real-life application time. Mabel exposes lack of self-confidence, vulnerability, and weakness. That stems mm. directly from everything we've loved about Mabel up until this point. So when... So sorry, how does it stem from everything we've loved? Well, I'll, I'll give the examples and okay. maybe you'll see a few connections and then I can mm. maybe try to explain somewhat more. Um, so when Gideon is... Um, just throwing compliments at her and stuff Um, on top of the factory. When they're looking, Mabel says, you are being so nice. Stop it. Um, Mm. And then when she goes home talking with Dipper, 
when he says, that's not how boys work. He's going to fall in love with you. She says, I'm not that lovable. Mm. And that makes me like, what? No, Mabel, you, you totally are. That's like who you, that's that's so much of, of okay. your character. But we're seeing her as when she's receiving what appears mm. to be legitimate adoration and attention for her mm. sake because of who she is she's not handling that well and mm. it's compounding the whole problem of this episode which by the way Gideon hints at at the first date when he says uh people have a hard time telling me no he kind of hints mm. at the whole issue of that that drives the episode mm. forward but Mabel's lack of confidence her doubt in herself draws out a weakness in her where she can't say no to him. Wow. That's why I like Mabel because I I saw a very weak side of her. Just Mm. that was very different. Yeah, that's really interesting. She's a lot more nuanced of a character in this episode than than she has been before. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, I I had of her in my mind. I, I kind of forgot about this episode. Um, she is really interesting because she loves goofing off. She's fine with being in the spotlight, uh-huh. but she is not at all used to having people appreciate her and compliment her on herself it's usually the jokes that she makes or it's the the random things that she'll do or those are the things that get compliments but she's getting compliments about herself Mm -hmm. yeah not about the things that she's doing i actually think most of the compliments she gets she gives to herself uh think of the last episode with uh the Stan statue. She talks about how great she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode, she's unappreciated in her time. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at one point in time, she says, you are on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I forget at one point, but yeah. Yeah, but she's talking about herself. That's interesting. I didn't really see that. Yeah. That's why wow. I like Mabel this episode. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. That makes my it's decision cool because, to... Oh, <laughs> sorry. We normally see <laughs> this okay. all about Dipper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm so glad Dipper takes a backseat this episode because he me really too. doesn't do me anything. Too. Like, yeah. he just kind of sits around. And then it almost like, sadly, it almost feels like the whole conflict with him and getting at the end is forced because it almost feels like he has no stock in, like, Mabel's story. You know what I mean? Mm. I would have almost mm. much rather have seen Mabel just go and do it on her own, which mm. she ends up doing. But still. I, yeah. I like that Mabel is an actual character, and I'm glad we're finally yep. seeing her fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. I really like Dipper in this episode. I feel that since Tourist Trapped, we've had a couple of weeks, and he has kind of matured, is what I, the feeling I get yeah. in this. And maybe it'll all be taken back in the next episode. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it seems like he is okay with Mabel dating guys just wants her to like be careful and is willing to offer advice but isn't trying to dominate all of her life the same way that he went a little bit um like journal crazy and screamed at her uh-huh. in the first episode yeah. about her relationship this time he's learned i need to be there to support her 
And when she comes home crying, I need to be there. But I cannot live her life for her. Yeah. I need to let her live her own life and have her own episode. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> and, get that feel from it. I think that's like one of the better feels from him. Like, yeah, I, I like I said, he's in the background and he's doing his own thing. But at the same time, he's allowing Mabel to be the front character. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is cool because he still has that wariness, but he's not trying to save her from vampires again. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, um, I do agree with you though that the his it's a little bit forced the the conflict yeah. between dipper and him, gideon um just the like the whole like you've gotten between me but i think that is a symptom of pacing which is where i want to start off the nitpicking ah. you guys commented that you really kind of liked um the the pacing that it was at but i didn't but tell me why you liked it and then i'll tell you why you're wrong that <laughs> I, I actually don't like the pacing of this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm with cool. you on that. It, cool, cool. It jumps into the whole Mabel Gideon thing and then just jumps out of it. You know what mm. I mean? It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody get in the pool. Okay, everybody get out of the pool. And now <laughs> yeah. everybody find a reason to fight over the pool. It's a little bit strange. I feel like there, there should have been more time for slow development. Tad strange. Oh, oh you hey, did it for me. Podcast Good job Good there. Job. <laughs> so I took I kept track of um different things that happened throughout the episode. So same thing as with Headhunters, six minutes in, we get kind of the um call to action, I guess. Gideon invites Mabel to his dressing room. Yep. Um like a little creeper makeovers, and that kind of starts off like a little uh, their relationship. And but then for the next seven minutes, it's various dates with Gideon. Yeah. Which I'll, I'll get back to. Um, then at 15 minutes, they finally break up. At uh, well, at 15 minutes, Dipper breaks up. For however, her. you want to phrase yeah. that. It's going to sound weird for her. There you go. Thank you. And then at um, a minute 30 later, they're confronted at the factory. And then uh, three minutes later, Mabel breaks up with Gideon. Um, in in a, a great line where he's like, "Are you? Are you?" Uh, we can still have be friends and have makeovers. And he's like, are you serious? And she's like, no, no I'm not. <laughs> you tried to kill my brother. It's great. Great yes. scene. Um, but going back to the whole romance with Gideon, I personally think they should have montaged that. They've yeah. proven that they're great at montages and they should have just montaged through a bunch of dates, progressively having Gideon getting happier and happier and Mabel getting sadder and sadder. That would have freed up a whole bunch of time to have a more nuanced, um, uh, dynamic between Dipper and Gideon. That's um, true. If you still want to have them be the ones having their conflict, because it, it's instantly zero to one hundred. Um, it seems like jumping from like Dipper being whatever they haven't even really met yeah. to you're keeping me from my. I think they could have done that like two minute chunk right there a whole bunch better, and they could have had more time to do it if they didn't do these random dates. Now I do like um, I. I almost want to say it's worth it just for the McGucket. You can't oh say goodness. no to that. Yeah. That oh, one was like, I, oh. I mean, the one with uh, all the people gathered on their tables. Great. But yes, that one. Can, can I read, can I read that off right now? Or do we want to save that for the funny? Oh, we'll save that. We'll save that. But I'm yeah. just saying. Okay. Okay. They both end up just being throwaway jokes. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like, I mean, they're good throwaway jokes, but yeah, but you really could just montage it. You, you can 100% montage it and clear up a whole bunch more space. I think this kind of fits here. I don't like how Dipper goes from the beginning. Mabel, you got to be careful. Mabel, you have to be like 
precise with your choices and what you're doing to I'll just do it for you mm. because it's completely against the character he was 15 minutes ago because mm. he's telling her like this is you you need to do this you need to be like mm. you have to make sure you're not leading him on you're not hurting him and then it's like oh I'll just go do it for you Ooh. then again your problem. Mabel did go all the way to sweater town oh that's true <laughs> that's true yeah that's I mean, another I mean, reason I think that's, I ru- yeah. we get a Oh, we yeah. get a huge um, insight into their relationship. I really like their sibling relationship mm-hmm. in this a episode. A lot more than an awkward sibling hug. A lot more than... Yeah, that, that one was okay, and it, it pays off later on. But <laughs> um, in this episode, like we get to see Dipper acting as a, a brother for a gal in a weird relationship, and like seeing her... She's not always her chipper self, and so we get to see how he reacts when she's the one who's going through trouble. Um, in the past, it's been him who's going through, like, the emotional trouble yep. or um, trying to figure out things morally. Um, and sometimes it's both of them, like, with Gobblewonker. Um, but in this one, we get to see him being a good brother, mm. which I really like. And so she goes to Sweater Town, <laughs> um, and he knows that there's something up. This is a great episode developing their relationship and how much they care about each other and how much they like each other. Um, I really like it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm completely fine with that. I just wish there was more to the story. I agree. Because the story is very linear. It's very yeah. A, B, C, D. Yep. And I wish it While was it's being... a little more Sorry. depth. Mm, mm. So... While it is extremely linear and you don't like that, the part that I don't like, and I've said this a bunch, but I think you guys commented that you did like it. So if you do like it, yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, raise your hand. All of the cutaway jokes. Yeah, raise your hand so I can see you. (laughs) Um, All of the cutaway jokes, for me, they felt like forced jokes, but you guys seem to to like them. You even put down loophole, womp womp. Did you like that one or did you not like that one? I did not like that one. Oh no, I don't like okay, that one. I hated that because the rope okay, came okay, out glad, of nowhere. Yeah. It would yeah. have been okay yeah, and if so, it was like a tent rope and it had a tent stake at the end. Then I, I would be like, actually, oh, it's a tent loophole because you got to loop it into the stake to the ground to keep it up. I get it, but mm-hmm. it was just a little string with a loop. I wish yeah. they would have done that scene of them talking at the like tent already i hate that mm. grunkle stan is standing right there and goes you can't go there and they go found a loophole yeah. in front of him and he doesn't do anything about it he doesn't yeah. care yeah, yeah yeah like i just i feel the, like uh, there's too much there's too much like suspension of disbelief or we don't care about the yeah suspension of disbelief there it yes. is yeah no that's it, there's just too much of it in this episode Mm-hmm. So there's three in particular so there's that first one i think we just found our loophole mm-hmm. literally um there's the, oh, hey, dude, are you ready to blow up those hot dogs in the microwave <laughs> one by one? Am I? Like, that's a fantastic joke, but it comes almost out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, like, it's perfect timing. It's a great joke, but it's not fitting within the Gravity Falls universe for me. And then the cash oh. register, cha-ching. I'm listening. Oh, my Again, goodness. great joke, yeah. great meme, but it doesn't fit. Honestly, yeah. this episode feels like um, – some of the worst parts of the first couple episodes. And it's it's not necessarily bad television or bad joke telling or bad storytelling, but it's just not Gravity Falls. It feels more like Adventures of Flapjack. And I think yeah. um, that oh. that's, if you don't know, the show that Alex Hirsch worked on before this. Um, and if you haven't heard of it, there's, it, 
there's a reason why it wasn't a bad <laughs> show but it was not the, it wasn't amazing i the, remember it it wasn't amazing like gravity falls is and right now gravity falls is being pulled back by all of these um these adventures with flapjack uh just style of storytelling and style of joke telling that just doesn't hit yeah. the same way huh. that just puns and quips thrown in throughout a story works instead of jumping away from your main story in order to tell a joke which then disrupts your normal storytelling oh. and mm. and it just <clears throat> for me personally um as i said before i was rolling on the floor laughing and headhunters but at the same time i was completely tracking with the story and everything that was going on yeah. and every single joke felt like it fit within the story yeah, you had you could draw a single line and you could put all the jokes on it with this one it's always rabbit trails off in order to just get a sort of kind of laugh and there's very few fantastic jokes in here that there's there's some good ones um but there's there's not the same amount of like trying to figure out my favorite joke for headhunters. Oh, that was tough because there were so many and they yeah, fit I had so like well. Four. Nice, nice. I think I chose the one that you guys didn't choose. <laughs> so many. You um, were saying something though, Matt. Uh, man, was I? I don't know. I was gonna say maybe something. I was gonna say something, but you said something so mind, long so, ago so that my something to say wouldn't make okay. sense to say. Okay, I you know what I'm the saying. First episode. Can you not talk ever again? Uh, okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, Matt died. We got him. Rest in peace, Mataroonies. I'm back. And the Where are we dropping, boys? Oh, no. Oh, he's back. Oh, no. Um, so, I think I mentioned this in the first episode, how it feels like they sat around in a boardroom and kind of just threw jokes yes. at a wall. Yes. They said, how can we beef up this episode? And that's what this episode is to me. I get where the main storyline is, but there's a bunch of air in between the main storyline points mm-hmm. that I really forget about. And I just don't mm-hmm. care about because getting beefed up and getting puffed up. And we need to make it seem funny. It's a comedy show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some of the jokes that hit hit nicely, but the rest of them are just straight up misses. Mm. I, I think I agree. Yeah. Let's get into the jokes, though, because there are some yes. good ones. There are some redeeming. That's, I think, in my opinion, why this is a like B-tier episode as opposed to a C-tier episode. If this was the normal one, but it didn't have any jokes that hit at all, this would be a C-tier episode for me. Um, but the jokes kind of redeemed. And the the honestly, the, the post-credit scene, it seemed old. Well, the credit scene. Mm-hmm. It seems nope. It wasn't even the credit scene. Pre credit. Pre credit scene. <laughs> the yeah. The pre credit scene, which could be any scene. <laughs> um, nonetheless, the the kind of creepiness at the end redeemed it um, more. Kind of the same way it did in the first episode, which was interesting. Hmm. One of the jokes that she wrote down here is, or the questions is, who is Carl? Oh, okay. So I that? think that one actually was a miss. So in the commercial for Gideon's tent of telepathy. There's there's the quick read at the end of Mm -hmm. like terms and conditions and I have it. Go for it. Void were prohibited. No CODs accepted. The letter P in the word psychic is silent and used for entertainment purposes only. If unsatisfied, please return the unused portion for a full refund. Side effects may include but are not limited to prosperity, wads of cash, fun at parties, tight pants, 6.2% APR, no money down. Psychic readings may cause a warming sensation in the abdomen. If pain persists, consult your physicist. Oh, no, not that part. The part where he speaks. Immediately. Carla, I've always loved you, but I've never had... Wait, what? Oh, that part. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's at the end. Carla, I've always loved you, but I've never had the guts to say. Oh, it is not actually Carl, it's as I Carla. thought. For a while. I thought it was Carl. It's Carla. Yeah. Oh, I always knew. Me that. too. I was like, "What do you guys talk about, Carl?" 
Yeah, I always thought it was Carl. No, That's just the way Carla. I heard it. I've but always loved it you. is Carla, and there are it. two people named Carla in this ep- or in oh. Gravity Falls in general. Um, they haven't shown up yet. One of their names is Carla McCorky, aka uh, Hot Pants, and the other one is a host of a game show. So I don't know which one it is. I'm guessing probably the first one, um, and you'll see why in the future. But that was that was good. I I liked the. Uh, advertisement I, I like the advertisement it was quick but then the whole ending it with something something Carl I thought it was Carl for the longest time uh-huh. so I just felt like what, what I don't oh I loved that really I thought that you was didn't a like it. I loved it I, yeah I didn't like it didn't that hit one. you though no. it didn't hit for you yeah loved this episode but hated the worst joke okay I, I, I get it <laughs> no you mean hated the That's- best joke Oh. No, hey, the worst Wait, joke. What did I say? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I done goofing. <laughs> um, so something I noticed at the beginning, and I said we were gonna get into the jokes, but I want to nitpick more. Um, is it? Maybe it was just me again. I'm noticing animation styles more than I did in the past, uh-huh. and it seems like the animation style is just a little bit off in the beginning. It kind of feels like they're trying too hard, like they're animating too much. Um, or it's just the shots that they're using where it's very zoomed out. And so the outlines of the characters stay the same width, uh, but it makes yeah. them look super weird. Um, that was just something that I noticed. And maybe, maybe it's just me. Oh my really, gosh, Joe, the people really in the background much. aren't moving enough. The people in the background are moving too much. Gosh. <laughs> people in the foreground look like shadows. The shadows look like people. My goodness. No, no. Oh I, my I understand goodness. what the you're saying. The strawberries taste like strawberries. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I didn't notice it because I, I'm a terrible artist. He um, he was too busy <laughs> enjoying the TV show. Yeah, that's fair. Tiger with a fist. Yeah, I love Tiger with a fist. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I I could understand that though. Can we get to favorite jokes okay. now? Because I want to talk about my favorite joke. Okay. Definitely. It's absolutely stupid. Joke, it's not yep. even really a joke. Um, well, I think I hope when that's what I think it is. Gideon and Mabel are talking at the door. And Gideon says, I couldn't get that laugh out of your head. And she just goes, ha ha. <laughs> Gosh, I cannot Absolutely like Absolutely enchanting. I cannot withhold my laughter. Oh, Every gosh. time I've seen this episode, that scene just sticks out to me. That like that's one of my favorite jokes, I think, in the entire Goodness. show. That oh. and I'm not appreciating my time yeah. are my two favorite <laughs> jokes, hands down. Wow. Wow. Nice. And I think that's because I like I like comedy like that. That kind of just not necessarily like breaks the fourth wall, but just breaks the tempo of what's going on without mm, anybody else in the mm. scene noticing it. Mm-hmm. So I really like stuff like that. So I, I, that's mm. why I really like, that's why I appreciate Mabel's character so much because she breaks tempo mm. constantly. Oh yeah. But, but in a way that feels natural. Yeah. And everybody else is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's in just way, Mabel. Her jokes aren't cutaway jokes normally. Yeah. Um, and if they are cutaway jokes, they have a purpose. So the one cutaway joke she has had so far is the one with the leaf blower, but then that was directly tied into the yep. plot. Yeah. So I think her jokes are on point and do a great job of fitting within the narrative. Yep. They break the tempo of the scene so it doesn't seem like it's moving too fast, but everybody just disregards her because, well, she's Mabel. Mm, mm. So that's my joke. Now you nice, guys can nice. talk about yours. Um, so I, I actually changed my favorite joke because I got super disappointed when you were talking about how some of the gags are just rabbit trails. So originally my favorite joke was involving the hot dogs but it was mostly dipper chanting at the very end one at a time <laughs> one time. at a time one at a time one at a time so so that i yeah i there 
those are good jokes, but they are rabbit trails on at the same mm-hmm. time. So the mm-hmm. the other one that I thought of um, is don't you dare steal. Me. Oh, I sure hope I don't. I probably <laughs> no, won't because it's, it's, it's a tenuous connection. But near the end, when okay. Dipper and Gideon are battling, we have that scene and then we switch to a scene of uh, Stan Pines and ooh, what's Gideon's dad's name? Bud. Bud Gleeful. Bud Gleeful in the room together. So mm-hmm. in in the battle in the warehouse, there's all these Gideon branded objects. So there's the Gideon blunt object, mm-hmm. which is the baseball bat. Yes. There's the Gideon branded <laughs> yep. lamb shears, which are super tense at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, cutting away from the warehouse battle scene, you go to the two adult men just having a grand old time planning how they're making all their money and one of the lines that bud gleeful says is um let's see it's all name it's oh, all it's name all, brand um, food bubbly, bubbly water and clown painting no no name, name brand, brand food, food and clown, and clown paintings, paintings. From here. so the, the first of all the contrast between the two settings is comical yeah. that it switches what i pulled out of that was the name brand food because you have all these Gideon <laughs> brand everything <gasps> in the warehouse. Oh my gosh. Were they all eating Gideon brand food? I don't know. Food? Are they going to be like little Gideon hair puffs? I don't. <laughs> wow. Oh, please. Marshmallow wow. hair puffs. Some little Gideon hair puffs <laughs> wow. in my life. That's amazing. <laughs> um, oh. So running through oh my gosh i have my favorite but i have a couple ones i don't think we can skip over so first of all just right at the beginning um are you completely miserable (laughs) yes Yes! oh my god one of my favorites it's so good it is so dark and it's beautiful Hmm. um next up is you like like a wolverine i know right and your eyes go all weird fantastic um Oh, ah, the foot on the table. Excellent a wonderful choice. choice. What? Uh, John Luke, what did we say about eye contact? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I just eyes go up into the air and walks away backwards. Um, I wonder what, as, sorry, what's something I didn't notice. As Seuss is reading a magazine that has Gideon and Mabel on the front of mm-hmm. it, like the words Gideon and Mabel, she says, I wonder what yes. they're going to. Oh, the name yes, is going to be for the one. new power couple. Maybe in Giddy Abel, Megid Bellion. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, Stan going into the. There's a, okay, I guess there's more good jokes than I said before. Stan, oh, um, Stan the clown going. Painting is a great one. Stan stealing oh. clown painting is fantastic. Hey, Stan, I'm going to need you to get that painting back. Hey, can't catch me, suckers. <laughs> fantastic. When he's first entering the house and he just looks at the door and it sees, says, Pardon this garden. Uh-huh. He says, I will pardon nothing and wax it down. Um, then when he's inside making. Um, or talking with Bud, uh, he's like, Well, it seems that we. Uh, Mabel and Gideon are having they're singing in harmony liking each other or whatever there you go I seem to be singing in harmony um, and he says yeah and I'm against it meh <laughs> and knocks a random pillow off of the couch just to show that he's against it that made me laugh yes. Um, yes. of course the one with the doctor uh, if she says no I'll die from sadness <laughs> I, can attest. I can verify that that is in fact true yes. um, let me see uh, oh, you're gonna slay me with all these 
You yeah, just got to get to your favorite. I'm sorry. Just jump to it. I, I got to get to the favorite. Okay. Jump to it, dude. Then it's got to be. It's all part of my. Oh, uh, guess what, Mabel? You got to marry Gideon. <laughs> it's all part of my long term plan with Bud oh, Gleeful. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of cash tied up in this thing. Plus, I got this shirt. Ugh, Ugh, fat. I am fat. Mabel runs away screaming. Bodies change, honey. Yes. Bodies change. <laughs> that was a really good one. <laughs> that one had me dying. That was a really oh my good one. gosh. Fantastic joke. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So good. So jumping now into the ciphers. ciphers. We're doing ciphers and secret, secret stuff. Secret. This is our theme, theme song. song. So have you heard enough? I think yeah, you have. Yeah, we can stop. Um, okay, ciphers yeah, time. So wow. Ciphers time and, and all kinds of hidden things. So first of all, the, the episode's title is The Hand That Rocks the Mabel. It's a reference either to uh, the poem from the 19th, late 19th century. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world, um, basically praising mothers because they are able to raise up children um, in a time when women didn't have a ton of power. But they were like, you know what? Y- you have a lot of power. Don't don't feel so bad. You have I don't know if that's the actual literary criticism of it, but that was just the first thing that I thought of seeing the year that it was published. Um, or it's a reference to a nine uh, late 1990s film titled The Hand That Rocks the Cradle um, about a uh, like woman whose fa- uh, husband commits suicide because of a court case or whatever, and then... Uh, takes her revenge on the family who who prosecuted him or who was going to prosecute him in the court case. I uh, took his life instead of like standing trial. And so she becomes the maid and like works her way into the family oh and corrupts the children. So um and then they have like a fight scene at the end and stuff. So I think I think it's more of that uh the whole working into the family in order to corrupt uh-huh. it. Uh and we'll see this more in future episodes, but getting has bigger intentions than just Mabel. But I think Mabel was a tool in his plan um, in order to get at the Pines family, um, in order to corrupt their children, in order to get to Stan. That's just my Ooh. my thought. Um, uh, something also interesting that I didn't notice is that when uh, Gideon says, okay, everybody rise up. He has one hand. Yes, on his he does. Tie. And yeah. Dipper notes that everyone to stand up. Yeah. Dipper's oh, like, yes. why am I doing this? Yeah, he does. He does note that. Yep. And then the first time that Gideon asks Mabel to go on a date with him, he also places a hand on his bolo tie and swears that it will be only one date. It's implied that he's using the tie's powers to enable, to ensure that Mabel literally can't say no to his offer. I don't know if the totem actually has that power, but it's interesting that he uses that. And then um, later on, I think that's actually the only one. Never mind. Um, there's some interesting musical things with when they're playing the video game, the background music is an eight bit version of the background music played when the gnome monster was chasing them and tourist trapped. Um, the credits music where, uh, he's being the disco ball is Uh the same one that was used when, uh, Dipper is spying on Mabel, uh, and Norman trying to figure out if he was a like vampire or zombie or whatever. Um, and, then finally, the cryptogram at the end is, Carla, why won't you call me? Oh, no. 
Yep. Can I just say so, how much I hate the after credits scene? <gasps> Seuss disco I, I kind of... First of all, he's only bedazzled he's only on one half. half. Second, of all, second of all, he's spinning the wrong way yeah. for the lights to be going that way. That irks me every and time And the animation is literally just them standing still staring at him. And there was all light constantly reflected on Dipper's face that wouldn't be there. Because that's not mm. how bedazzling works. It's not a mirror. Mm. I dislike that scene more than anything else in Gravity Falls <laughs> ever. They spent too much on the thick lines around the characters in the beginning. Oh my god! In order so they couldn't, yeah, they too much couldn't, money they couldn't afford to do scene. They couldn't afford the ray tracing wow. For, for wow. all the lights off wow. the bedazzling. <laughs> wow. It costs too much to print the thick borders. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Way too this much. Is, just this use is up how all animation works. works. Thick this is how work. animation works. They just have a little flip book. That's how they do the actual episode. Oh, they have to um, pay anyways, very little people to color them. <laughs> very tiny people. Yep. Next week, we're going to be looking at the inconveniencing, which is pretty fun episode and i'm super excited for it. if you don't want to miss it um if you're watching on itunes on google play music on stitcher we're on all of those guys now um if you can leave a message for us that does a huge part um or if you have any theories or things that you think that we got wrong or stuff that we just missed completely went over our heads that's totally possible um just send us a comment you can also email us at tadstrangepodcast at gmail.com we're also on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook, both. If you look up Tad Strange Podcast, boom, we're right there. So if you are a Tad Strange like we are, do all of those things, and you'll be super-duper awesome. Um, we'll choose the best comments, the best messages, and include them in the episode. So ring that bell, hit that subscribe button, leave that comment, uh, rate the iTunes podcast, and uh, you'll get to know when the next one of these comes out. So make sure to follow us as we unravel the masterfully woven tapestry of Gravity Falls. And remember, if you can't handle Mabel at her sweater town, you don't deserve Mabel at her Wolverine.